Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. Before I introduce you to today's guest, let me just remind you about our fabulous, very, very gorgeous sponsor, Tipsy Tea, my current favourite, pink peppercorn. Ooh, so yummy. The best way I've found with pink peppercorn is sparkling water and that very important squeeze of lemon. You can find Tipsy Tea on tipsytea.co.uk and don't forget if you order yourself a gorgeous branded measure, put it in the basket, use the code CTAF as in chatting to a friend, CTAF, then you'll get it for free. I hope you love it as much as I do and once again a big thanks to them for their support. It means the world. Today's guest has quite the story. Can you imagine you're age 28, you have a five-year-old and a seven-month-old baby, your 26-year-old husband is on duty in Afghanistan and you get the knock on the door that every military wife dreads. Nikki Scott lost her husband Lee in just that way, that's how she found out. And from the bottom falling out of her world and that in the world of her children. She tells her story with such honesty and vulnerability. It is very moving. But what is the most extraordinary thing of all is that she took that devastating, horrific piece of news and life-altering situation and put it to work for her children, for other children of military personnel who have died and created Scotty's Little Soldiers, a charity that supports kids whose parents have been in the forces or in the forces and who are lost. She's just been awarded the British Empire Medal for Services to Charity, and our chat is just brilliant. What a pleasure it was to speak to Nikki. It's a tear-jerking story, but really what she has done from having no experience in the charity sector at all over the last 10 years is nothing short of spectacular. I would love you to listen to this story. And if you ever get the chance to support Scotty's Little Soldiers, all the details are at the end and on the show notes. Please listen, take in her story and see how extraordinary it is that a young widow would go to such lengths to use her misfortune to benefit others. It's really fantastic. Enjoy. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Thanks for joining me today. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Good, good. And you're at home, I hear, in lockdown, full-time working parents with four kids under your feet. Yeah, it's crazy. At least uh, we've got plenty of alcohol for the evening, is what I can say at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and this won't be forever, that's what I keep telling myself. Exactly. Act. Oh, my word, that sounds pretty full on. Um, So... I mentioned, I've given a brief outline in my intro about your story, and but I'd just like to ask you a little bit about how, when you met Lee, were you childhood sweethearts? Did you meet at school? Was he already a soldier? What, what how did you meet him? Oh, so we met, um, I was working in a bar, I think, where was I? I was, uh, I was 18, I just got a job in a bar, mm. and um, Lee used to come in lots because his friend worked with me. So that's mm. kind of how we met. 
um, and he would ask me out uh, over so many years he just kept asking me out and I was like no 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 never gonna happen Lee like you're you're just not my sort at all like you're really immature and um <laughs> oh I think I was 20 that's right I was 20 he was 18 um and then basically just over the course of the next few years I guess he he then joined the army at 18 and um when he'd come back on leave I just noticed he was maturing um and just changing really and it kind of went from there and then um I had Kai and then it went really fast. So and then we got married and moved to army quarters and then Brooke came along. So yeah, it was, it was, it's one of those where we've been friends for quite a long time before we started dating. And and I did say to my friend, never in a million years will I ever marry Lee or even have a date with Lee. And he's like, see, you married him. So yeah, it was, it's one of those. <laughs> it was just good actually starting as friends, I think was, uh, made it stronger actually because I knew so much about him before we actually started dating so mm. oh that's that's a lovely story it is a good way to start I've worked behind a bar and I, I and and there are always quite a lot of unwanted advances so I <laughs> I, I know the feeling I never married any of them but uh, <laughs> and then and so when you moved into married quarters was he already being sent away on tour yeah so is that we, what you say um, I'm sorry is that the right terminology yeah. no that is yep yeah, that is um so he'd already done a couple of tours um to Kosovo and Iraq and um I was still living in Kings Lynn in Norfolk um where we were both kind of from that area and he would just travel home at the weekends and things but then um just as Kai was starting school we decided it would be best to be settled in a in an army quarter um on his base basically or near his camp mm. so that Kai could get settled in a school so we so we moved yeah in the we got married because you have to be married to get an army mm. quarter so it's all so we we got married mm. moved before Kai started school so we did know when we were getting married at that point that he would be going off to Afghanistan mm. the following year um but you you kind of as an army you know it's to be expected they're they're in the army so you know they're going to go on tour mm-hmm um, so I think for Lee, it was just wanting to make sure that we were settled, had friends. He used mm. to try and um, he used to be, he used to say when I first moved to the court, he used to say, oh, "I've arranged for you to go out with Trev's wife, Laura." It's like <laughs> Lee, stop trying to pick my friends. I'll settle in and I'll make my own friends. But he just wanted to make sure we were really settled before he we went on tour, which was yeah. lovely. Oh, that is good. Sounds like a good man. And so I think you said, and ha- w- when he went off to Afghanistan, had was it the first time he went? to Afghanistan yeah and um and I think you said that you sort of thought to yourself well I'm just going to be a single mum for a few months and then he'll be back yeah I didn't really I think I was quite naive when I look back now I just kind of was more thinking probably a bit selfish really actually just thinking god it's going to be six months without him and we were so close you know he generally was my best friend as well so it was just that thought of it's not going to be around and I'm going to be on my own with the kids for six months. It's going to be, it's such a long time. I didn't really think about where he was going. Um, Mm. And I I didn't have the news on or anything like that. I just kept myself going really. And, and it wasn't until, um, well, it was about five weeks in and someone from his troop um, was killed and we got notified by the welfare team. And that was when it kind of really hit home that, god he really is out there um Mm. coming very close to you know danger and what they're doing and that was when 
I think for me, it really hit me that of what Lee was doing and where he was and the potential danger that he was in. And were you able to talk to him during that time or have any communication with him when that was all happening? Yeah, and that was another thing. So the first, um, the first a few I think that the first three weeks were really good actually because he was kind of in Camp Bastion so the main camp out there not really out on the ground he was sort of um doing some some training taking over from the regiment that were the squadron that were leaving I think and you know becoming up to date with what was going on um so the communication was pretty good actually so over Skype it was then um and Facebook was quite new but it was um we were on Facebook and so he would call the house phone he'd call the landline and you would literally run a hundred miles per hour (laughs) to to get that lat to get that phone call because you know that it might be hours before you speak to him again but Mm. it it was quite good actually yeah and we'd do Skype with the kids and stuff and then when he started to go out um on the ground it got less and less and at that point um when uh, Trooper Hammond was killed he did speak to me and um it it really like Lee would never tell me what was happening on a tour never Mm. wanted me to worry or you know he would always be very much like what are you guys up to what are you doing that was just Lee's way of protecting us I think but this Mm -hmm. call was very different he was very low which wasn't like Lee very quiet and um just let slip in his conversation that things weren't good and he actually said to me you know this is you know I've done tours before and they were almost like training exercise. This is like scenes of world war, you know, too. Like I've never seen anything like this, you know? Mm. Um, so that was quite hard to hear. And then um, luckily I spoke to him after that um, the following day and he was back to the Lee, like I've got a boost morale. We're doing good. We're fine. Um, so yeah, just, just quite, just really hard times. I mean, for, for me, I would often have a nightmare, you know, thinking, Oh God, what's, what's going on where is he what are they up to and he could be tucked up in bed safe and sound but you just didn't know what was Mm. going on out there and what's the sort of support like amongst the wives and and the the sort of uh, uh, on the camp for you it was really good actually yeah it was really nice I mean um, Lee's whole regiment um, weren't out there it was just a squadron so it was just probably about 130 guys were out there so Mm -hmm. um, I still had his regiment around me and and um, actually being in the garrison on the camp was was really nice. I'd not done a tour where I was on the camp before. So to have the other wives around you was just a really good support. Everyone knew mm. and everyone was going through the same thing. And actually, Laura, a close friend of mine back then, you know, we had we both had very young kids of similar ages. So we'd often be together and one mm. day she'd be fed up. The next day I'd be fed up and you just mm-hmm. you just help each other through it, really. Uh, that, well that is good because that's the sort of thing you see in movies but uh, you don't know about in real life <laughs> then uh, I you know I read on your website that you got the knock on the door that every military wife dreads yeah um I was actually I was out walking with Laura and some of my friends and it was so bizarre it was my day to have that low day I'd not spoke to Lee for five days and you know my friends were picking me up saying you know he'll ring tonight he'll ring tonight and um, then as I was walking back, pushing Brooke in the in the buggy, she was just a baby. Uh, I'd gone to go and get my car from my house to pick Kai up from school, who was five at the time. Mm-hmm. And I saw two cars drive past going down into my cul-de-sac. And I just instantly knew mm-hmm. I did, it's just my gut feeling was something's happened. And I, I was Lee's been hurt. Lee's been hurt. Oh, my God, Lee's been hurt. And I was crying. 
and I caught, and I saw the guys go to my door and I said, are you looking for me? And they said, are you Corporal Lee Scott's wife? And I said, yeah. And then they took me inside to tell me that Lee had been killed in an explosion whilst on duty in Afghanistan. Oh, I'm so sorry that I can't even begin to imagine how that must have felt. And, and you had the baby with you. Yeah. So I had Brooke oh. with me. Um, and that was actually how they told me. They, I said, just tell me what's happened, what, what's happened. And they said, can you pass your baby to my colleague? And that's kind of when I, I knew it was oh. bad. And it, it's so surreal because you, you know, Lee had been gone on tour for six weeks. So, you know, his, his toothbrush wasn't on the side and his cup wasn't on the side. And, mm. you know, his washing had been done and put away and everything was up to date. And it, so it took me so long to actually think, it just felt like he was still on tour. It was the most bizarre thing and it just that like no this can't be true this can't be true um I've had mm. this nightmare every night for the past like two weeks like it's not this is, is not happening it was such a denial um and you literally just feel like you're just like that's it then that's me done like I'm 28 I have uh, this house is an army house I don't even have a home um yeah. what am I going to do where am I going to go what have I got you know and you've there's so much going on with um and then the thought of like I've got to tell Kai that you know mm. his dad's not coming home, which is obviously the my, I mean my sole concern after that was Kai. I know Brooke yeah. was a baby, so just didn't understand. But Kai was five, and it was just I knew it was going to absolutely shatter his world. So just such a difficult, yeah, very dark time. And did you did you tell him that day, or did you have to wait? Or yeah, how... yeah, I did actually. Um, it's, it's such a it, he so it was picking up from school time when I actually got told and I and I said to the to the gentleman in the house that like I need to pick my car from um Kai up from school and I can't even remember it's funny how the brain works but I cannot remember what happened next but I know that they must have rung his head teacher and his head teacher brought him home uh. and he come running into the room um with this like spider that he'd made out of a plate white paper plate at school and was just completely a normal little boy that just run into that room saying mommy look what I made at school and I just oh, I just broke down completely mm. um and then I can't remember then he was taken to my friend's house so I didn't tell him straight away because I just I think that was when it hit me to be honest when mm. Kai come running in the room and he come back later about seven o'clock that night and I, and by then my house was packed like Lee's family had arrived my family had arrived and um, mm. so the house was full so I literally he came home and I took him straight up to his room and I sat him on the bed and I just said do you remember where daddy is and he said yeah Afghan and I said well, um I know I said daddy would be coming home but soon but like there's been an accident and the baddies have got him mm. and um he's been killed and I was just very I remember being really like almost quite cold but I wanted Kai to not be confused he's got learning difficulties yeah. as well so I wanted just to be really straight and I don't think he understood a word of what I was saying I mean he didn't we'd never experienced the death so we, when I said he's gone up to heaven you know Kai doesn't didn't even then yeah. know what heaven was so um so I was just very straight and it I, and we just cried together I mean he hugged me as I cried and he cried but I don't think he really realized what he knew I was upset something bad had happened yeah to be with daddy and then it was a couple of days later actually he was on the trampoline with a friend of ours and that's when he started to ask like where's my daddy gone what's heaven and my poor friend had to <laughs> deal with it all oh, um, no. <laughs> but no it, it was um 
yeah just just horrible and actually at that that time just Kai really changed from that moment mm. to be honest if I'm honest just I, yeah really changed in what as way? A boy. um he um he for starters he he had really bad nights so he'd have nightmares but he'd also um not want to go to sleep without me just so clingy I, I don't know whether it's something to do with Lee put him to bed on the night he went on tour, uh, went, put him to bed that night and then went in the middle of the night. So I don't know whether yeah. it's something psychologically about um, being put to bed and then not being there when you when you when he wakes up. But it just the night times were really bad. He was up all night long. Um, horrific, like meltdowns, tantrums um, and just and then started to um, go I didn't even notice at the time, but when I look back, I started to notice that he just really withdrew. He just um, mm. very quiet. I didn't know. I mean, actually, my my cousin made me nine months after Lee had been killed. She literally made me go on holiday with her and her family. It was the last thing mm. I wanted to do, to be honest. But um, I went and, and that was the time when I sat there and saw Kai in the swimming pool with his cousins and he was laughing and smiling. And that is actually, it sounds really rubbish but that was like a wake-up call for me it was like a mm. oh my god what have I been doing for nine months like, I haven't been living Kai's been in this world of just depression and darkness and mm. this is the first time I've seen him laugh I just I hadn't even noticed how bad he'd withdrew mm. um so that was my point when I was like right when I get home from this break I'm gonna start Lee would be going mad at me right now like mm. I've let this go too far like I need to start living and giving Kai and Brooke the life that he'd you know want them to have and and that kind of is where my my thoughts started to think then about how many other children mm. have, be, have been bereaved of a parent who served for our country and aren't getting the support that they need or so yes yeah, started um to think about the other children that have been affected by you know war and not just that just people that are parents that have died when serving our country mm-hmm. and how did you go from that first thought to sort of thinking that you could use what had happened to you and Kai and Brooke to help these other children like how did you what did you first think of what were your first inklings well I was kind of just thinking um you know I started to think how many kids have been through this like Kai and Brooke because no one had really reached out to me. Um, Kai was getting a bit of support, but it was it was through me reaching out to different mm. organisations, to be honest. No one had come to us and said, and nothing was um, around um, bereaved military children. So mm-hmm. it was just bereavement in general. And I just felt this was a very different scenario um, for the fact as well that I knew we were going to have to, you know not only grieving for Lee and our life completely changing we were gonna have to leave our home because it wasn't ours Mm. Kai would have to change schools and leave all his friends behind and and you're in that military community and I don't think you realize quite what a strong community it is you know your life is with those guys that live near you so I knew to to have to take him away from all that um was just going to be really tough so mm. I, I thought, you know, what, what is there for bereaved military children? And I, I started to do some research, but it was such limited um, support available. So I actually spoke to a couple of other bereaved widows um, that had got in touch with me when Lee had been killed, just to say my husband had, had been killed in Iraq. And if you ever need to talk, you know, they just noticed it on the news and reached out to me on Facebook. It's mm, kind. Yeah. And I, I, I messaged them and I said, you know, I've had this little idea don't quite know what it looks like at the minute but 
uh, probably a bit crazy but you know if if there was something for bereaved military kids would you be interested in it maybe because I, I thought maybe no one wants it and that's why there mm. isn't anything now because I thought mm. surely there must be something out there for these kids um, and they were like oh definitely like we definitely sit there and they were saying it would be amazing for the children to meet other children that have gone through it um yeah. and and for me the main focus back then was okay and I said to my family and friends right I've had this idea I don't have a clue how to do it but I'm gonna do it because there's nothing out there like it and um I want to support bereaved British forces children and make sure they get the opportunity to have that break and smile like Kai did mm. um so we set up um the charity Scotty's Little Soldiers so that's how mm. it all all started <laughs> And uh, that's absolutely extraordinary. I cannot tell you how inspiring it is that you took something that was so devastating for the three of you and presumably your wider family as well and made and, and took something positive out of it. And, and just to go back to what you said, I hope at some point you realized, I'm sure you did, that, you know, those first nine months, it was probably massively understandable that you we're in this complete fog. I mean, having a seven yeah. month old baby and a five year old at the best of times is a hard gig. But um, uh, so that uh, is extraordinary. So you took, what was it, 10 children you took away the first time? No, so, we, so well, so we didn't take them away. What we did was we raised, um, we raised money. I had 10 children that basically were ready to sign up to the charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a whole minefield, you know, like, I'd basically done a fundraiser, raised some money for a memorial bench in Tidworth mm-hmm. where we were based. Um, and with that, I had like uh, the people's generosity was unbelievable. People just wanted to give money almost to say they to feel like they were supporting us. And I had five thousand pounds left over. And so. Wow. So that was. Yeah, I know. It was incredible. And um, I was that was another thing. So I was looking to donate this this money to a cha- military charity in Lee's memory. Um, but I knew I want, you know, military was what Lee loved, but he also loved his kids. You know, absolutely. was an amazing dad. And um, so I knew I wanted to do it for uh, military children. But I, again, there was just such limited support out there that there wasn't anywhere. So I thought, right, I'm going to use this 5,000 to start something for these kids. Um, so with that, I had to set up as a charity um, because if you've got 5,000, that's what you'd, that's what you mm. have to do to start a charity. Um, uh, but it, I, I mean, I just worked in pubs before and nursery schools. <laughs> I had no idea what was in, oh, but I was so lucky that my family were just incredible. And actually my uncle was a trustee of a charity and, um, my brother worked in marketing. My cousin was a graphic designer. Ah. So we, I know it was lucky. Uh, we all pulled together and, um, you know, wrote the charity, wrote, what what our aims and objectives were and um Chris our cousin designed our character and our logo and we set up a website and um just started from there really and these 10 children then joined the charity um and we were saving money to have a holiday home in the UK so that they could just go whenever they needed to um Mm -hmm. have some time out and the idea was you know that I just I based it on my experiences and what I felt you know would have really helped me back then Mm-hmm. And um, actually, as the charity's grown and developed, it's, it's continued to grow like that, actually quite organically, that we just listen to the families and mm. the children and what their needs are. And then we decide how we can fill that gap. And then we go out and find the money to do it. So it, it always comes from 
the kids and what the need is, which is so important. And as you went on, did you start to bring in experts within the charity or do you, you know, I know you have a, a variety of services, which I'm going to come to, but do you have experts within the charity or just people that you use? Uh, we, we do now we, we well mm. so yeah if for the the emotional I think at the very beginning it was very much um, um, uh, almost like a bit of a peer support um, community where families could join the, the children would join and become Scotty members we call them and mm-hmm. they get sent um, a backpack a branded backpack when they join and it has like a little comic in it explaining what the charity does in a kid fun way and and then they get um, they we we would send them like a birthday present on their birthday. It's just a little something to show them that you know people are thinking of them and haven't forgotten them. Mm. You know, no no matter how long it's been, you'll always receive a birthday gift. Um, and and then we obviously had the holidays that they'd sign up for. And like I said, as it's growing, we've we've brought in more things and moved into different programs that we run. But back then, mm. at the beginning, it was very much volunteers, people that had some spare time to help um and then yeah as it grew we realized okay there's there's much more support that these children need um and we need to make sure we're providing the the best support and the right support for them and you know every child and young person is different so has different ways of dealing with grief and um so yeah we would we would refer on to other organizations to offer the the counseling for example if that's what was needed Mm -hmm. um but we'd kind of walk hand in hand so we'd keep in touch and say how's it going is it working for you you know is there remember we're here if you need us and and just keep that relationship going really and in the early days uh, you said you'd listen to the families and the kids can you give me a couple of examples of what they needed that perhaps you hadn't needed for your kids because they were a specific age and maybe some of the kids were older yeah yeah so I think the biggest thing actually back then was I was still very much in my early days of grief I think and Mm. and I'm no expert in this but it's just what I've learned as I've gone on but um back then I was very much like I don't want to I don't want to meet a load of widows and their children and go on a big outing like to me that was the worst thing in the world the thought of that Mm. um I just wanted to be on my own but you know have the break for us that was good have the kids receive a gift because that's you know just showing mm-hmm. people are fundraising people haven't forgotten you um but actually listening to the needs of others they were saying they were either longer in their it had been longer for them or mm. their children were older and they were saying it's really important they really want to meet other children that have been through it and you know and as I've gone on that is the one thing that is the most important thing out of everything um for mm. my kids now that they've got their friends that are Scotty members um but back then I was very like, oh, no, I don't want to organise group trips. That would just be horrible. Like, it will be all <laughs> sad and doom and like, I don't want that. But it's far from it. It's, it's a- absolutely amazing and inspiring when the kids all get together. The bond they oh. have is incredible. Oh, that even through the different ages? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's very much a community. And um, just, I mean, there's so many different, you know, some children have lost uh, a parent when they were like Brooke for example who has no memories and gets mm. so frustrated because she's like I just cannot remember anything mm. and I'm like you're you just never will you know and they have to f- deal with that and then you've got children that lost their dad who were a lot older and had a really strong relationship and 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 also kids that have lost a parent or are 
or had a parent that have died that's through suicide accident illnesses not just on tour so mm-hmm. um, all different experiences but the one link that they've all got is that their parent all served for our country and and it's amazing when you get them in a room together because they instantly just have this connection and and it's yeah don't matter what ages they are the older ones automatically look after the younger ones the younger ones look up to the older ones it's, mm. it's really quite yeah it's amazing and so talking of that um eligibility so anyone that served in any of the forces in the uk yep so yeah raf navy army um yeah and uh, reserves so as well yep reserves as well and we've just started to support veterans as well children of veterans as well so um because it's just you know we just want to help as many children as we can that have lost a parent that served for our country so and what about age you know sort of you say children and then you said mentioned young people and the older yeah. ones you know is it forever is it to a certain age or no so it's um not to 19 years um mm-hmm. are our scotty members and then we've just launched um last year our springboard program which is for 19 to 25 year olds so again we as the time's gone on we've we've listened to them and actually the 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 young people that were turning you know 18 19 were saying do you know like we know we sort of do it in a nice way where we don't just say bye-bye you know (laughs) you finish (laughs) but they they often come back and volunteer and keep in touch with us and help at different events which is amazing and and so you keep a good relationship and they were sort of telling us you know actually it does feel weird when you suddenly think the support's not there or scotties aren't there anymore Mm. and but we kind of need support in different ways. So there's a standalone program for those people um, that is all about, it's more empowering them and giving them the opportunity to thrive and develop, um, but also making sure that that support is there because that's a massive, you know, time and age in your life or time in your life where Mm. you're often going off to uni or leaving home or starting your own family or looking for a career. And it's just, it's, it's making sure that we've got a bit of a safety net under those people as well and can help them as much as we can with you know cv writing and work experience and mentoring and yeah making sure the support's in place for those young people it's so incredible and how many kids young people have you supported to date um today it's i think it's around 450 so so you know we've, we've done amazing and i'm really pleased i'm really proud of the work we do as well because for us, it's making sure the foundations are right and getting everything spot on so that whenever we start a new service, it will never be taken away. You know, it will be this is mm. the right thing to do. Um, but we do know there are so many more children out there that mm-hmm. um, could be re- do, you know, have the support of Scotties, which is why obviously it's so important that I do uh, chat to you and do podcasts yes. and things to raise awareness. <laughs> exactly. um, so, the, yeah. The big long-term goal is to find those children that need that support and to, mm. to let them know we're here. Because as you say, you know, it's not just in conflict. It is those that are, that have suffered and are unable to cope and as you say, suicide or just have died sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really, I mean, um, I would say, I mean, we do still get lots of children that come that join the charity that have lost a parent or um, had a parent that was killed on tour um, because they're only just now finding out about us but actually lots of the members are now yeah sadly suicides um their parent has suffered an accident or illness 
or you know there's there are still missions going on that mm. you know we're not aware of and things so course, there, yeah. there are new children still joining all the time yes yeah, sad, sadly but yeah. I'm really glad it's there to to offer that support now do the armed forces themselves know about you and are able to recommend or send people to you because you know it must be something that must be the best way of finding kids that need yeah. your help yeah so that um it's took a long time if i'm honest we now work with um the visit visiting officers so every family when there's a death in, within the military will be appointed a vo a visiting officer um just like i did who is their liaison between the military um so the and the family so um, we have now I've been able to go on VO training days and um, every family is given a, what they call a purple pack. I think it's called that because the pack is actually purple. I don't think there's anything behind it. But inside that purple pack is lots of different information. I remember I got mine and um, typically didn't really look at it until about a year later. But <laughs> um, in there is lots of information and the VO will make sure he pulls out or she pulls out certain things that are obviously really important it could be about repatriation or the funeral or mm. um anything about your you know finances so um we now have a leaflet in that pack and there's also now like a an online version as well but it took a long time to to get to that point if I'm honest and I think that's just you know as time's gone on we've we've shown that we are you know providing a benefit to these bereaved children and young people and, and what we're and we're really focused on what we're doing so I think our cred- credibility is growing and that's mm. helped because then the, the military the forces have come sort of and worked with us so that's good um, so yeah we do get lots of referrals now from the VOs which is really good we've still got work to do to make it even better and a better transition over to us but um, it's definitely improved so that is it's definitely helped yeah lots more referrals coming in from the forces themselves which is really positive so this still started in 2010 I believe is that right you launched the charity and then 2012 I want to hear about your first award your Sun (laughs) Military Award for support to the armed forces because well because there's a little bit of celebrity chat in there there was a bit that was a yeah very that was an amazing moment actually not for the award because that's not what it's about but um when I um won that award it was a big turning point actually for Scotty's because it I knew if I won I would get my video shown on ITV at 9 p.m you know primetime mm. tv and the country would know about Scotty's and um so to win that was incredible because I knew the awareness that would bring and yeah the, it was a nice evening where I sat next to um people that were just amazing and I had Jason um David Jason on my table oh. uh, which just made my night yeah. which was like wow can't believe <laughs> Del Boy sat like opposite me uh, <laughs> but yeah so it was brilliant but then, then I was going around after like uh, with a t-shirt for them all to sign so they must have thought oh Jesus she never stopped <laughs> so that is yeah that was an amazing night and then in secret I never realized but ITV had arranged for some of the children that we support to come on stage with me um, and my mum who was meant to be babysitting Kai and Brooke was actually on the train talking to me when I thought she was in my house <laughs> um, because she'd brought the kids there as well so it was yeah it was a really special night but amazing for Scotties the awareness then was yeah really good. Oh that's extraordinary and talking of awards 
and accolades you have just been awarded the British Empire Medal in the New Year's Honours list congratulations <laughs> thank you and that that must feel very exciting slash surreal very surreal yeah <laughs> I'm I'm a it's it's a weird one isn't it because Scotty's is such a team effort and um like there are so many people involved to make Scotty's what it is you know um and we've got such a great team now that are, are amazing and work do some incredible work with the kids and or the children and young people should I say and and not just that behind the scenes you know we, we've got an amazing awareness team and our CEO is brilliant and so it, um so I I what I always said no I'm accepting this on behalf of my team but it is it's a big pat on the back I think mm. more than anything and a big boost to us after a really hard year as well mm. um to be like okay we, you know what we're doing is being noticed and we are, you know, having a positive effect on lots of people's lives. So it was a really, yeah, it was a brilliant way to to end the year, but a very surreal moment, yeah. Oh, very, <laughs> very many congratulations again. So I just wanted to go back to, you were talking earlier about the Springboard Programme, but I know, I see on your website that there, you have sort of four arms, if you like. Would I be correct in saying yeah. that? The Smiles, yeah. Support, Strides and Springboard. Do you want to talk us through each of those? We've talked about the Springboard a little yeah. bit, but talk me through the others so then we have a better understanding of what it is that you do. Yeah, so we've, so the Smiles programme develops very organically, like I said, like that, that's all the, what it says really, that helping the children to smile. So it's very much, it's our holiday homes. We've now got six holiday homes around the UK. Um, uh, that families can can um, book when they need it that respite break and then we also because of how many families we support now we also offer breaks at Centre Parks, Orton Towers and Butlins as well so it's our breaks it's our um, our events where the children come together so our Christmas party for example um, it's receiving gifts and vouchers at difficult times of the year for example um, remembrance is obviously a very proud but really emotional time for our families so mm. we send a, a voucher um normally to pizza hut or somewhere like that like a meal voucher where we obviously not last year but normally it would be that um where we're saying you know we know this is a tough time of year guys so here's a voucher go and have a, a bit of family time go and have a meal out and you know and that's just trying to remind them that people haven't forgotten and yeah. no matter whether it's been 10 years um, since you've lost your parent you know people are still going to remember you mm-hmm. um so smiles is all the fun stuff all the community the engagement like we you know we have a private website that the families go on and um they chat to each other and um so do all that engaging stuff and then through that we find that they they build that trust and then they get in touch with us when the really tough times come um And it's not so scary to pick up the phone to us because they've already had that brilliant engagement and Mm. met us. And so they would ring us. And that's kind of where that goes into the support program. And we're there very much like a bit of a hub, I think. Um, They'll ring um, the support team and then they'll they'll either be referred on to someone else. Like I said, if it's, you know, really specialist um, help they need or we might we might be doing just referring them onto an organization um, and walking with them on that path or Mm. offering a bit of, if there's a big waiting list, which you often find, you know, we'll keep in touch with them and give them some advice and some guidance before they get to that specialist help. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing we, and then we kind of moved into our strides because we were kind of thinking, you know, we want to be here for these children, but we also want to help them to, it's almost catching them before they reach that crisis point, isn't it? You know, we want to, 
put the preventions in place to help them grow and develop um, so that they don't reach those real tough times, mm. you know, and not have anywhere to go. So the Strides program is very much about um, helping them to develop and also very educational focus. So um, it will be supporting them through schools and looking at how we can work with schools or colleges um, to help them. So, and then we go into our springboard program as they reach older, but we also offer small grants as well in the development strides program where they can um, apply for a grant for higher edu- higher education grant, for example, or driving lesson grant when they're taking their driving lessons. Mm-hmm. It's trying to think of all those key times in their life where their parent would have been there to offer that support and where we know um, their grief will, will affect them because yeah. we've learned over the years that, you know, it doesn't matter. Grief affects you at different times of your life and at different age points. So like moving to high school is a big trigger point. Mm. So we're, we've put in transition packs and year group supports for year sixes ready for when they move up to year seven. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's amazing now, but still lots of work to do, but we'll get there. <laughs> and what, what is the dream? <laughs> What's the next, what are the next things that you hope for? I think the dream, the long-term dream is definitely being able to reach um, as many children and young people as we can. That I, I, re- I it, it hurts me to think that there are children and young people out there that aren't receiving the support and mm. yet Scotties is here, but they don't know about us. So that's the long-term goal. Um, the, this year, we're very much, we're reviewing our activities, just making sure that um, all the foundations are set and we're really so that we're prepped to handle that amount of those amount of children mm. and just making sure that they are meeting the needs of the family so we work we work a lot with our families and we speak to our young people as well to make sure we're on the right road and it's not you know no point doing something if the families don't need it so mm. um yeah looking to strengthen our support program this year very much so can I ask you I was thinking about something you said earlier when you when you first set it up that the, the the worst thought for you would be to go off with a bunch of you know people and mm-hmm. be all sad um and obviously in the early days it was of course you had your family and friends but it was largely you I understand if I understand correctly driving it how did you or and how do you look after yourself because you must still get hit by grief and sadness as well and and also in your in your kids Brooke not remembering her dad and Kai you know at certain stages how do you look after yourself um yeah that's a really good question and and it's so important and you know I'm by all means and not the healthiest person (laughs) I know I could so be healthier and take more time for well-being and then but I try and make sure that like if I'm having a low day the first thing for me is to accept it's all right to have a low day like Mm. I'm not Wonder Woman and um and I'm gonna miss Lee for the rest of my life and you know and and back then when you know literally when I was told you know my my life I changed as a person I definitely that saying of like part of me died it's so true because as I've as I've moved on you know don't get me wrong I'm really happy now I'm remarried with two more children and you know things are really good but like you said we have those times where you know, you're just having a rubbish day mm. and and you miss him or you'll see something and it's a big reminder and it comes out of nowhere and um for me it's taking the time to just reflect and say it's all right to to have these times and and often with the kids like I you know especially for Brooke when she's upset I say to her let's let's talk about dad Brooke let's mm. let's chat let's have a chat about him because he wouldn't want you feeling like this and 
and I'll tell her, you know, some of the memories I have. And although she can't share any back, she just loves, we, we are so lucky. We have so many photos of them mm. together. So that's a one, a real big blessing, but we'll do different things to make sure we keep his memory alive. They're never afraid to talk about him. It's very open. Even, you know, with Joe here, um, the kids aren't afraid to mention their dad, even, you know, 11 years on, which I'm so happy about that. They feel they can still talk about him. He's very much still a part of our life. Yeah. Um, at Christmas, for example, the um, Kai and Brooke put a, a bauble that they designed on the tree on Christmas Day, but they do it through, you know, Brooke does hers straight away first thing um, that she'll go down and put it on. And it's almost like honouring dad, mentioning him, but not making a massive thing about it where it might upset other family members. Mm. Or And Kai will put his on when he wants to through the day. It's, but it takes time, I think. It, it's took a long time for us to find the right ways to remember Lee. And I think you, you just learn as you go and there's no right or wrong. You know, I, I'm always saying that there's, there's no right or yeah. wrong. You do what you feels right for your family. And, you know. And do your two younger children, are they, are they well, little ones, probably a little bit little, but do they understand that, that, that this is this is a thing as well within the family? Yeah, it's really interesting. Obviously, um, and actually it was only last year or the year before, I think. So Tilly was probably coming up four, four or five, mm. um, where she, so she, her middle name is actually Lee, named mm. after, because um, my husband, Joe, served with Lee, so uh, actually knew Lee as well. And he asked that Tilly's middle name could be Lee because it's like bringing us all together, which uh, is really special. And so and she obviously knows that Kai and Brooke have another daddy who's yeah. in heaven and has always known that and been brought up around Scotties, you know, mum yeah. works for Scotties. And, um, but it wasn't until she saw Brooke upset once at an event where Brooke laid a reef in memory of Lee. And she said to me as we walked um, across a field, mummy, why is Brooke crying? And I said, because she's, she's missing her daddy. And, he, and she said to me, where's her daddy? And I said, he's up there above above the clouds. He's in the sky in a place called heaven. He's looking down on us. But uh, And she knows, we said, you know, he was in the army and he, he got killed and he, he'll never come back. So Brooke's really missing him. And she just looked up at the sky and was like, oh, and then went all quiet. And then she said, well, I can't see him, mum. <laughs> it was the cutest little thing. And Aww. since that moment, she will now actually bring up kind of, oh are you okay is it your daddy Aww. your daddy's up there looking like you know so so actually he is a part of our family yeah and and Danny will be the same as she grows up she'll she'll know who Lee was and how special he is yeah so it's that is lovely that's a really lovely story I did a podcast interview um last end of last year about friends of mine uh, with friends of mine on baby loss and they talked very similarly about keeping the memory alive, keeping it part of the family, making sure that people were never afraid to talk or ask or grieve no matter what time or how long it had been. And I find that um, healthy and very yeah. reassuring. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would much rather Brooke come to me and ask me questions and, you know, as she's, she's got older the questions have got tougher and weirdly you know when she was like six years old seven years old she was asking me the questions that Kai had asked me when it had happened mm. so you're almost like six years on and you're having to go back through wow. all the details and that has happened quite a few times as she's got older and she's you know she's quite 
she's quite you know she'll google his name and read things on the internet about mm. how he died and she'll want to and the questions get tougher as she's getting older mm. so it's well not just where did he die where exactly on that map did he die what was he doing why was he in the front vehicle you know you get all these questions and they can come at any random time yeah. you literally can be on your way to tesco's and all of a sudden they're they want to know stuff and i think you it will just absolutely shock you and take you back like yeah. wow can't believe we're having this conversation in tesco's car park but you know <laughs> if this is where we need to have it we'll have it so, yeah, yeah. Oh. oh well well done you because I, I as i say i, I think that's I, I well i've never had to live through it but i i think that sounds like a very positive way of dealing with it how can we um follow support what can we do people who are listening who are touched by the story or who perhaps perhaps know people that don't know about Scotties and who might benefit from it what what are the things that we can do do you know, the the easiest and most simple thing that everybody can do is to we always say just tell free friends about the charity and and ask them to tell free friends um and to you know follow us on social media and share our posts um the more we share the more the engagement levels go up the more people that see it so it, it you know sharing a post is literally just clicking a button but mm. it can make such a big impact so um that would be like my my biggest ask I think if anyone just wants to help it's the smallest thing just tell people about us um and then it obviously if people want to get more involved you know fundraising is so tough especially at the moment mm. so um get you know get get some ideas get in touch if you've got fundraising or we've got um challenges that we set on our website as well so it would be worth having a look at those and then the, the big new initiative that we launched last year which we're really excited about because we think this is the new way of fundraising for, for charities if I'm honest mm. um and it, it's like a regular giving but it's a lot more it's called overwatch and it's about um watching over um the children but from afar so you know just donating a month whatever you can afford with that you become part of the overwatch community and you get um, access to an online portal and you'll get behind the scenes footage of exactly how we're supporting the children so you'll see us at work through video content um just be, just being so transparent and showing exactly where your money's going and actually 100% of whatever people give through Overwatch goes directly to the programs um so that's another brilliant way that we're encouraging people to to support the charity but all that information is on our social media pages and our website so and so we can get you on Instagram on Scotty's little um, soldiers Scotty's little soldiers and it's Scotty yeah. with the y um, yeah. yeah it's oh. actually cuz he um lee was lee scott mm. so he was called scotty in the army mm-hmm. and he used to call kai his little soldier Aww. so that's where the names come from and um, same for i mean i'll put all this in the show notes anyway but and then um the website is .co.uk or .com i'm sorry yes yeah .co.uk yeah that's right and on twitter we are at corporal scotty at corporal okay i'll make sure that is all on the show notes um, I saw you've also got some rather splendid merchandise. We do, yes. Yeah, well, so the story behind that is um, we decided that um, if we launched some merchandise, we have some Scot- uh, Scottish Little Soldiers charity branding clothes, but we also have um, a clothing brand called Fear Naught, 
which is uh, we just think is a brilliant motto for our children about being fearless and you know tackling life and Mm. and but it's actually the motto of the second royal tank regiment which is where lee served so it all just ties in and connects the charity to the military again and the sales of that of anything sold on fear nor also goes into um raising yeah money for the charity so it's another great way of of looking cool and raising money and there's some rather well-known faces on your website there I think yeah we've had some amazing people buying our yeah or or wearing our our fear naught range so Ant Middleton um from SAS Mm -hmm. who dares wins I think we've had Ben Shepherd Bear Grylls yeah there's a few there's a few um well-known people that have um been wearing very cool which is great yeah Oh, I had a I had a quick rummage the other day, like the looking through the website. I thought, oh yes, I like that. I quite like the gym top, like the little yeah. sort of um strappy top for girls. I think that might be making its way to Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. No, there's some re- we have really great feedback about it as well. Lots of very I think it is very much um aimed at your your veterans or your fitness um people that love mm. going out. So yeah, really good stuff. Awesome. Nikki, thank you so 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 much for sharing your story I can't imagine that even after all these years it gets any easier to tell so I really am very grateful for your time no you're welcome thank you for helping to raise awareness my absolute pleasure and um, I look forward to seeing the next evolution of Scottish Little Soldiers and we'll keep uh, a close eye on what's happening thank you Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye.